You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. As we dig into text messages, we dig into our quiz uh, question, our next quiz question, and we dig into our Bible study. It's all about to happen here on Faith FM. However, uh, we're going we're gonna to do quest- text messages first here uh, for a moment, and then we're going to come back and deal with our uh, 400-point quiz question in just a moment. Okay, so the first one that uh, we've got here. Wait a minute, I've lost one. Where did that? Um, I'm going to do clue for the quiz. Okay, do clue for the quiz. <laughs> okay, for for 400 points, the Bible says, "Who said I know that my Redeemer lives?" Well, it could be Hillsong, it could be CC Winans. Uh, there's a number of people who have written songs like that based on this verse. Um, but there is a biblical character who said it. So again, that question is for 400 points. Who said, I know that my Redeemer lives for 400 points? Uh, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books or you can get your points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, who said, I know from the Bible <laughs> that my Redeemer lives? Okay, so I got text messages coming at me from three different directions right now. Sometimes I have them coming from four, and sometimes I lose them. And I lost this one. And it was the one that it was the one that I really wanted to start with because it's a really awesome text message. This one is uh, from Bruce, and he says everyone is in shock by a slap by Will Smith, but are happy to go to a cinema and watch him beat up people on screen. Seems hypocritical. Yep. Because when you stop and think about that, let's think about that for a moment. Okay, both of them are modelling to society, well, how to behave. Anyway, let's see here. We've got, uh, let me scroll back to the beginning here of this line of text messages. Um, And the Notre Dame Cathedral, we covered that story earlier, and the lead casket could be the body of a stolen pharaoh from Egypt. Could it be? Like, would it be? Probably not. Probably not. In the 13th century. But hey, why not speculate? Why not speculate? Okay, social media and the boys and the girls and looking at uh, how their brain develops and how it is damaging for them at different ages. Uh, On that story, it's it's the text messages is, so they do know the difference between the two. Scientists seem to be terribly confused on this issue. Maybe that is why the inventors of social media won't allow their children to use it. Um, I think the people who did the research were biologists, so they... They knew the difference. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't. We don't, obviously. We're not biologists. That's right. Um, my uh, my two-year-old friends know the difference, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Florida and sex education for ch- for kindergarten children. That is a fantastic bill, one for common sense. Uh, the cursed tablet looks like God was there from the beginning. Uh, the floods in northern New South Wales, God said in the last days, this is what would happen and more. What's mm. frightening is that it's going to get worse. Uh, God is giving us the opportunity to realize this and to come to him while they're, while we're able. None of us know what's in store for us today or tomorrow. Uh, let us not blame God for these events as Satan is going around like a roaring lion to devour all that he can. Mm. Uh, another one on the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Uh, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. In this case, a greater reaction. I have to ask what would we do if our wives were being insulted in front of the nation or in front of the world in this case. I totally agree with your comments and I personally hate violence. I suppose we won't know our reaction till we are placed in that situation. Would Will Smith have acted different in private setting? I'm not excusing him. 
I'm just asking the question. Yeah, and I've I put a lot of thought into that as well because you know I don't I, I I would feel horrified if my wife was insulted in front of the world like that, and how would I respond? Because violence is inappropriate, and I've had a lot to say about violence being inappropriate. But what do you actually do? And I think that David Haupt had the best idea. Well, it occurred to me while while he was talking this morning. Whereas you know what would have happened if Will Smith had uh, walked up the front and instead of slapping the guy, grabbed the microphone and told the world how amazing and wonderful his wife was. Mm. You know, I think that would have been a much better uh, option for him to take rather than resorting to violence. And that's why, you know, we always pr- praise producer Shell on the show because I personally don't want to get beat up by Lyle and I'm protecting, <laughs> yeah. I'm actively <laughs> protecting right. myself yes. uh, by not throwing shade at producer Shell. <laughs> <laughs> Many years ago, I was in a Bible study with about 20 people. The question was asked, what will you do if your house is broken into and your wife was being abused? Many of the husbands and boyfriends wanting to be theologically correct said they would leave it to God. What? The ladies were not impressed. No way. All they could say is, thanks very much. No, there is a time for (laughs) violence, but you don't respond to words with violence. You respond to a violent threat. With violent defence, that is that is terrible. That's going to be a con- controversial thing statement I've just these, made here this morning. Were I'm these guys go- single? Okay, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text and disagree with me to your heart's content. Oh, hundred percent. But like- as adults, we use words, not violence, and we do not use violence unless violence is. Um, Perpetrated in, 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 except in defense. And that's when called defense, right? When that when is, is called necessary defense. For, de- for defense. Yeah. And there's a difference between like uh, like persecution. And a preemptive attack is not defense. Yes. And I, I think there's a difference between like persecution and just like straight up like terrible act of violence. I don't know. That's something that, that's something we could maybe that, that goes too deep and then it would be hard to kind of define. But like, like someone can treating you can like consistently terribly versus like someone just running up on the street and punching you in the face and trying to like beat you up. Like there's kind of, I don't know. There's, yeah, there's absolutely. If you walk into your house and somebody's trying to rape your wife, absolutely. You're going to, uh, <laughs> what are you not going to at least try and pull the guy you're away? Not to, you're not going to kneel down <sighs> and pray at that particular point. Oh, that is whack. Uh, they surely did not feel safe with their husbands at that time. <laughs> Uh, okay, this one's an interesting why. one. Um, and Yikes. This, one said, this one's from Paula. Uh-huh. The Will Smith saga. This is a different take on it. I haven't, I haven't heard this take before. Hollywood is a playground for the devil. It's all smoke and mirrors. The Golden mm. Globes was sponsored by Pfizer and Biotech. Will Smith's wife was claiming to have uh, alopecia, hence the joke by Chris Rock references that, yeah. her bald head. Mm-hmm. Pfizer is about to release a drug they claim will cure alopecia. Remember, mm-hmm. these people are all actors playing the game. It puts the new drug in the spotlight. Uh, mission accomplished. Uh, J- Jada, as seen by Jada, shaves her head. Watch this space and mm-hmm. how it leads to the promotion of Pfizer's latest drugs. drug. All these people in Hollywood are bought and paid for. They also distract us from the reality of what the elites of the world are really up to. No good. Let's put our energy and time into better use. Okay, so she's ultimately saying that it was all like a... Like a, a set up to promote the new drug. I don't to, know, to, man. To highlight, to highlight her baldness, which when it goes away with the new drug will highlight the new drug. 
Is okay. So let me ask this question. I don't know the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can help me out. Is Pfizer bringing out a new drug? They, they are. They well, are. this was like in 2021. They they've been de- developing this drug. But this is the thing. If this was all a setup, like I watched like like Will Smith's speech afterwards and how he's crying and stuff. If this was all a setup, he deserves a second Oscar because that's the best acting like he's ever done. Like. Have you seen, like, some of his terrible movies? Like, like Will Smith... Well, see, the thing with this one, it wasn't acting. That's the- he really did actually slap the guy. It wasn't a fake slap. It was a real one. But then he cried afterwards. Like, when he's doing his acceptance speech, he's like, we have to take all this abuse and stuff. Like, man, I was like, he, he, if, if that was an act... I think the, moral, the, I think the end of the story here is this. Mm. The whole of Hollywood, and, this is, and, and you know, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes... Because I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And you can certainly smell a rat here. Uh-huh. Uh, there's no question about it. But we don't know. If, you know what? what, what we, but what we do know is this. Let me just finish uh-huh, this. Uh-huh, what we uh-huh. do know is this, is that Hollywood is rotten to its very core. And you see this in distasteful jokes. Mm. From Chris Rock, and you see that in acts of violence by Will Smith, this is morally corrupt. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I would I would say this. I I think the the slap is authentic. I think I reckon they switched the ballad, bro. I reckon they're like, all right, let's give the Oscar to Will Smith because this is, dude, this is <laughs> because it was his best acting in that dude, moment, dude. <laughs> or because he was going to get up and cry, and it's like, like, look, this is the best thing that has ever happened to Will Smith. If, if And the Oscars. And the Oscars, because we all forgot the Oscars was even a thing. The Will Smith, the Oscars, Chris Rock. Like, Chris Rock is going to have, like, 20 stand-up material, like, shows worth of material. Like... I should have given him best Macta. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we need to get on with our Bible this, study. I'm sick I need to get my... Nice, I am so over it. No more mention <laughs> of Will Smith and Chris Rock. If Let's you get text in about Will Smith, we will exclude you. We will <laughs> we will delete your text messages and delete you from Faith of Faith. <laughs> We need to spend time in the Word of God. Amen. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 13 and let's pick it up in verse 9. We're looking at uh, Paul's summary to this book where he's just going through and saying, well, I've covered this and I've covered this and I've covered this and I've covered this. And he's taking all of his main points and putting mm-hmm. them into sort of one sentence. And then he's like, of do like, this, do this. That's right. Mm -hmm. In verse 9, the Bible says, So do not be attracted by strange and new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Summarize it for us and we'll move on. Uh, uh, listen, Listen to what God tells you to do. Read the Bible. Yeah. Or, yeah, you ought to follow God rather than man. When you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, uh, verse 10 and 11, 10, 11, and 12. Yeah, the Bible says, We have an altar from which the priests of the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of those animals were burned outside the camp. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yep. Yep. So also Jesus. Oh, this is this is the best verse, guys. This are you are you ready for this? So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. This is Paul's mic drop, isn't it? Yeah. This is I. I preached my first ever sermon on this verse, uh-huh. and I, I'm it's all flooding back, and Lyle and Shell were there, 
and and it was in Maitland Church, and I was like, we need to get out of the camp. We need to get out of the church like Jesus did and lay down our lives for the sake of others. Like, we need to share the message with people just like Jesus did. Because, yeah, like you this, said... This was, this was like, what, 17-year-old Lawson? This is, yeah, 18, 18, 18-year-old 2017. His sermon, doing his thing. That's right. Oh, it was so awesome. But, yeah, no, but the, but the point clearly here is, like, ultimately, like... um This is like a summary of all these ideas. Like, we have this altar, we have this tabernacle, but Jesus has ultimately fulfilled it. Jesus is the one who's made a sacrifice. This is what. And all the way through, he's been pointing out how that the sacrificial Mm. system points to Jesus. And then he goes on and he's like, you know, and they took those bodies and they burned them where? Mm. Outside the camp. Where did Jesus die? Outside the camp, yeah. Boom. And then verse 13, this is like, this is the, the person, this is the appeal. This is, this is his appeal. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear, and bear the disgrace he bore for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Amen. How awesome is that? It's like, give your life for Christ. Like Christ gave his life for you. Give your life for him because this world is not our home. That's amazing. Mm. All right. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Yes, that's powerful. You know, uh, so many, so, so much, so much stuff here. So many mic drops all the way through here where Paul is just bringing it all together and pointing people to Jesus mm. and to following Jesus. Uh, verse 15. Let's go verse 15. It says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Okay, so if we summarize the, say, from verse uh, 11, on, uh, 11 onwards, we have the fact that the animals were, the bodies of the animals were burned outside of the camp. Jesus died outside the camp. Then the Bible says, you are to go outside the camp. And then the Bible says, you are to sacrifice yourself. Yes. Well, and there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a process in which mm-hmm. Paul is putting all this together. This happened outside the camp. Then that happened. And Jesus died outside the camp. You follow Jesus outside the camp. You give yourself as a sacrifice. That's right. And he even defines what it looks like to be a sacrifice. And as you said, a living sacrifice, which is by your works and action, actions, that's how you sacrifice. Um, by living a life where you are ultimately lifting up Christ rather than yourself. That is how you sacrifice. Okay. And and, let's, and he talks about that in, in verse 16. Yeah, yeah. We read verse 16. It says, oh, yeah. and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Yes. Your translation is so different from mine. I did not know. What does yours ever. say? Well, it doesn't matter. It says the same yeah, thing. It does. All right. Okay. All right. Then we change tack. Again, uh-huh. Paul changed tack. He, he, he's, he's beating to windward here in this last passage. He's tacking uh-huh. backwards and forwards. <laughs> yeah. And he is changing tack and, and, mm-hmm. and coming through with another thought. So these are all of his summary thoughts. These like, these are, we, we've, we've covered all of the uh, theology now. Let's just come. As a result of all that theology, these are the summary thoughts. Go for it. Verse 17, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Okay, where did you get up to? Verse 17. Okay. Uh Verse 18, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly, but I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. Mm. 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, there is great instruction here. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, work together as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, is Paul saying here that we should obey anything that our leaders say? Yep. Blindly? Uh-huh. Really? <laughs> like, no. no. <laughs> I just want people to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. That's not mm-hmm. what's happening here in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And we we know that um, you know there are many, many verses to give this context. But what it does say is that we're to work together as a team, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that God has placed people in positions of leadership for a reason. And that when they come to us with a vision, we need to look at that vision and say, okay, is this vision, you know, compatible with God? And it might not mm-hmm. be exactly what our vision is. Mm-hmm. But is it compatible with the work of God? Yes. Well, then God has given this person a leadership position. God has given this person a vision. Let's get behind it. Let's make it work. Yeah, and let's also pray. Like this is this is something that uh, well, last night I was all sharing in our grateful section about doing ice cream and, and all this kind of thing. It's like um, essentially like we we come together as a group. We discuss ideas. We discuss the direction of our church. We reflect on our vision. We come up with some plans to move forward. But then also, it's like once we've decided to do something, then then we pray about it, like in prayer constantly. Like that is what God is calling us to do, and because anything can happen, and God can, in response, lead us and guide us down all different paths and ways. And there's times where we would like to do something good, but God very specifically leads us away from doing that. And you realize later, oh, that was because this bad thing could have happened while doing something that was clearly good like any any like you know people are making decisions all the time and the world is like constantly changing you know and and god is is leading us and it's uh ultimately like the need here is like oh how how can you follow a godly leader and know that they're leading in a godly way be close to god yourself absolutely (laughs) like yeah it's that's that's clear i feel like that's really ringing out here in the texts all right so now we're going to finish off and he's going to come to his conclusion a very uh pauline conclusion that we find here from verse 20 through to the end of the chapter uh begins in in verse 20 with the word now Mm -hmm. now the god of peace that brought you again from the dead in our lord jesus christ the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect Mm -hmm. and so this is kind of like Paul's prayer. Paul is making a prayer here at the end of Hebrews, and so he's finished everything he has to say, and so now he's going to pray for these people. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read it to us uh, from verse 20 to the end of the chapter in your translation? It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon... I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all your believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. This is clearly written by Paul, by the way. I I just like any debate, like when it's like, uh, I'm going to bring Timothy, I'm in Italy. It's so Paul. That is Paul, by the way. It's just Paul all the way through. (laughs) Yeah, any any debates, because uh, I remember when we started the book of Hebrews, you know, I was a bit reluctant to say it's Paul because there's so many, like, scho- so much scholarly disconsensus on, on who this is. You know, there's people who want to say, oh, it might be Peter, it might be this person, it might be that person. But then you just read these last lines, it's like, who was in Italy? It's interesting Paul. when you actually look at that particular debate because 
you know, through the 70s, 80s, 90s, it was very strong that we don't know who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very small minority of theologians who said uh, this is definitely Pauline in flavour. Mm-hmm. But in recent, in more recent times, I hear far more pastors and uh, theologians uh, standing up and saying, "Yeah, this was Paul. We, it just has to be Paul." Mm-hmm. You know, even though it doesn't have a name attached to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just read stuff like this, and it's how many times have we read something almost identical to this in one of Paul's other epistles? That's right. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Are you sad? Why? Why Hebrews. Oh, we done now. Is that it? We, it's we, over. We read, grace be with you all. Amen. So we're done. It's the last that word. That is devastating. It, now what over. are we doing? Genesis. Oh, back to Genesis. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, all right, Lawson, um, what's our 500-point quiz? Oh, 500-point quiz. Okay. Where was the Ark of the Covenant housed before Solomon brought it to the temple? feel like we did this question. As in, as in whose house or what town? Where was it housed? Like, where? What location? What location? Okay, so which town was it yeah, in? What, lo- yeah. what, what location? What region, yeah. location, town? And if you know which location it was in, you can win our 500-point prize for today, which is the book As Light Lingers, Basking in the Word of God by Nina Atchison. It's easy to fill our lives with all the important things while subconsciously dismissing the most important thing, spending time with our loving God who wants us to be close with Him. This is essentially an incredible devotional book that you should get. 0491-064-669, As the Light Lingers, Basking in God's Word by Nina Atchison. But again, you have to answer the question if you would like it. Where was the Ark of the Covenant housed before Solomon brought it into the temple? All right. Psalms chapter 100, verse 1 to 3. Psalms 100. Seeing as we're studying the book of Genesis, we will begin in Psalms. Oh, that's powerful. Absolutely. That's, that's okay, awesome. so for, for those of you who might be wondering, for the next uh, quarter of a year uh, here on the 20 Million Movement Bible Study, we're going to be studying the book of Genesis. We've uh, finished with the book of Hebrews. book of Genesis is amazing. We've spent a bit of time in the book of Genesis over the last few years. We've looked at, uh, I think, the covenant in just about every Bible study we've done in the last... Uh, three years, and it is pretty much central to the book of Genesis. That's right, back to so, Genesis. So, oh, it's back to the covenant. That's right. Um, but that's good. We're going to um, we're going to learn a whole bunch of new stuff as we go through. The, there is you will never exhaust these books. And if I was going to list, you know, some of my favorite books of the Bible, Genesis is going to be in the top ten every single time. Mm-hmm. Daniel, Revelation, Hebrews, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Genesis. These are all books that are going to be wow, in the, no in the top gospels, 10. bro. I, I didn't. You don't like reading 10. about Jesus. Those, every single one of the books that I just mentioned is all about <laughs> Jesus and nothing but Jesus. What, what are you talking about? Amen. They're all the gospels. I mean, you think of uh, you think of the of the Torah, mm-hmm. the, fir- the first five books of Moses. Which one is the gospel? Is Deuteronomy? Yes. Think about the prophets. Uh huh. Which one is the gospel prophet? It's Isaiah. Isaiah, yeah. Which was the ones that I listed just now? What about Think John? of Hebrews. What is Hebrews what about, about? What about Matthew? What is Hebrews about? Uh, uh, Jewish people who live in the Middle East. Hebrews no, no, is about just, we, the just, gospel. we just spent like a, half, a quarter of a year I mentioned Revelation. Revelation is the, is revealing... the revelation of Jesus Christ, yes. Amen. All right, so take it back. Yeah, no, I'm not taking that. <laughs> you didn't mention any of the gospels, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna 
you know, I'm just going to grill you for it. But we're going to read Psalm 100 and verse 3. We are. Is this about Jesus? Yes. Okay. The well, whole Bible is about Jesus. Amen. Uh, it says here, acknowledge the Lord is God. See, told you. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Keep going. Oh, keep going. Um, empty his gates. Wait, 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 wait. Where, where are you reading? That was Psalm 100 and verse 3. 100? Uh-huh. Oh, yes. You read verse 3. Verse 1 to 3. Verse 1 to 3. Okay. Shout with joy to the Lord of all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay. So why is it important to understand this? Um, I think here, like... This this essentially defines why we should worship God. Yes. Because it says worship God. Like, that's like the that's first right. thing it says. It's, there's an action here. But why? And then it's like, oh, and then it's like... What it, benefit is there from worshiping God? Well, during that, like, worship, it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so if you look at non-Christian religions, they have, you know, very important motivations to worship. Mm-hmm. Either they're God or gods, uh-huh. and that is so that their God or their gods don't destroy them. Mm-hmm. And so they've created gods in their own image. They look at you know their political leaders, and it's like, well, we support our political leaders so that they don't destroy us. Mm. Therefore, we serve our gods so that they don't destroy us. That's you know very much uh, a, a simplified version of the culture of you know many ancient and medieval civilizations. Mm-hmm. Whereas. Here you've got an ancient civilization which says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Celebrate. Um, serve him with gladness. Mm. You know, you look at the Hindu gods, for instance, I guess is probably the most modern major world religion today that is an ancient, a, a truly ancient religion in its philosophy. And there's a lot of gods there you're not going to celebrate, you're not going to be glad about serving them. Mm. They're really scary. Mm-hmm. And like gross and weird, like yeah, uh, like gods are like sex and stuff, where it's like that's just super messed up, and it's all about like masochism. It's really weird, but this god is worth worshiping. But he's like serving with gladness, mm-hmm. come before his presence with singing, mm-hmm. and this you've got so much celebration in the Bible and so much celebration in the book of in the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that we don't do enough of as Christians. Yeah is to celebrate the goodness of God mm. and to have times of celebration together as a community. Mm. Um, we know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. Mm. Okay, this is a really critical point right here because philosophy in our world today is that we did make ourselves. Yeah. You, know, you are God. Be true to yourself. You know, the, the solution to everything, it is it is within you. Um you are the, the the arbiter of what is right and what is wrong. If it's good for you, then it's good. It's pretty much what the uh, what what the Bible indicates. Uh, sorry, what what society indicates. Whereas the Bible says, no, you didn't make yourself. You didn't create yourself. You were created by God. You belong to God. Um, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Okay, this is a theme that you find throughout the Bible, this concept of being God's sheep. Mm. What, 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 what does that mean right there? What does that indicate about God? That he is rich because rich people own lots of sheep. No, no that, <laughs> that, uh, that God is the shepherd. Like yes. he is the leader of the sheep. 
So sheep are a very successful species in our world today, and the reason that they are, success, uh, are a successful species is because they have shepherds. Mm-hmm. They would not be a successful species without shepherds. That's right. You find the really successful species on planet Earth are those that have human beings looking after them. Mm. And so if we want to be a successful species, then we have God looking after us. Mm. And, you know, this is, of course, all taken from the book of Genesis. And when you start in Genesis chapter 1, there's some great thoughts that come through Genesis 1 and 2. And you've got the two accounts of creation, mm-hmm. the Genesis 1 account, the Genesis 2 account. The Genesis 1 account, the Bible, or Moses uses the word Elohim. Mm-hmm. In Genesis 2, he uses the word Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, what does Elohim mean? It means supreme, transcendent, majestic, preeminent, and strong. And that's what you see, God speaking things into existence. Mm-hmm. And then Moses changes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give the second creation account, and this time he doesn't use the word Elohim, he uses the word Yahweh. Mm. Why? Because Yahweh is a God who is close, is personal and relational. And so while God is speaking stuff into existence in the first half of of the creation story, in the second half he's creating human beings out of the dust of the ground. He's breathing into their nostrils the breath of life. He's putting them in a garden. He's staying close to them. He's bringing them together in marriage, and they are worshipping together. This is the picture that the Bible gives to us at the very beginning of the God that we serve. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Yeah, we're listening to Gavin Chitalia right there with Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. It is time for question of the day. Before we do, we have answers for our quiz. All right. For 100 points, the answer was Mount of Olives. For 200 points, the answer was His Rod Sprouted and Blossomed Fruits. For 300 points, the answer was 99. 400 points. Who said, I know that my Redeemer lives? It was Job. Um, not CC Winnens, not Hillsong. Uh, for 500 points, uh, finally, where was the Ark of the Covenant house before Solomon brought it to the temple? Gath. It was housed in the town of Gath. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle. Our question of the day today is, you know, this is pretty, very, very politically relevant. Mm. Is Barack Obama the Antichrist? Okay, so this is uh, due to a YouTube video that has surfaced since, I think, yesterday... Um, and has something to do with the whole Will Smith episode. And we did say that we wouldn't mention it again, but <laughs> the question has come through for question of the day. So what are we going to do? Okay. Um, and basically, if you look at the video, it uses a whole, a, a very, very complex of uh, differential equations to get the number 666 out of Barack Obama's name. Using Will Smith, by the way. And Yeah, that's right. You've got to use Will Smith as well. Uh-huh. And so... This is like the most wildly stretched uh, and imaginative form of interpret- biblical interpretation of Bible prophecy I've ever come across. And the answer is no. Will, uh, neither Will Smith nor Chris Rock nor Barack Obama are the Antichrist. I hate to disappoint you all. They are not the Antichrist. We know exactly who the Antichrist is. The Bible is very clear about who the Antichrist is. If you don't know who the Antichrist is, you need to know who the Antichrist is. Um, give us a call, 0491064669, and we will share with you uh, a Bible study that I wrote called The Prophetic Code, which will go through all the details of who the Antichrist is. 
Okay, but this is an important question about 666 because you can get 666 out of lots of people's, lots of different people's names. And so we need to understand, okay, how do we actually, what do we actually do with this identifying mark? First of all, in this video, it seems to be the only identifying mark that is given pretty much. Um, and so you cannot identify the Antichrist just because their name adds up to 666. There are so many people in the world whose name adds up to 666, particularly once you start using all kinds of complex equations. Let's understand that the book of Revelation was written for uh, people in its time, in, in other words, in the first century, as much it were, as it was written for people in our century. People were to understand it then as they are to understand it now, and it was actually easier for them to understand then than now because the culture of calculating the number of a person's name was common and popular then, but it is not now. They understood how it worked. We don't unless we look at how they understood it. That's the important thing. Okay, so we're going to come back and talk about that in just a moment. Before we do, we also need to recognize that there's about 82 different identifying marks for who the Antichrist is in the Bible. 666 is one out of 82. So if you can if you can somehow massage that number into Barack Obama's name, then you've got one out of 82. The rest of the 82 also now need to be fulfilled in Barack Obama, and you haven't got a hope of all of them being fulfilled. But you're also going to have, you know, this is the most minor of all of the identifying characteristics, the most famous, but the most minor. Um, the other identifying marks, you know, you get some of them where the Bible says the Antichrist will claim to be God. You find that in Daniel 7, you find it in Daniel 8, you find it in Daniel 11, you find it in First John 4, you find it in Second Thessalonians 2, you find it in Revelation 13, you find it in Revelation 17. This one is repeated over and over and over again in so many different places where the Antichrist is mentioned. This is a major identifying mark, not a minor. 666 is a minor identifying mark. Okay, so let's have a look at uh, um, how we actually calculate this. First of all, the ancients never used mathematical equations. They simply took the letters of a person's name that had numerical value. So your Roman numerals have numerical value. And if you had some letters in your name that had numerical value, they would calculate the value of that, and they, in their, you know, their religion, their culture, their tradition, had some numbers that they favoured over others. You know, we we kind of tend to be scared of the number thirteen. Uh, Chinese people love the number eight, and they had their favourites as well. And the number six was obviously a favourite back then. If you get three of them, that was like super cool for somebody in the first century in Roman culture. Uh, but they simply took those letters that had numerical value, began at the first one, ended at the last one, and added them together. There was no uh, formula required for it. So there's the first point. If a formula is required, you're in error. The second point is this, is that language changes over time. English language did not exist in the first century. When language changes, the spelling changes along with it. If you read a 1611 version of the King James Bible, you're going to find that the spelling is vastly different from the King James version that you will read today. And so if the language changes and then the spelling changes, then the meaning is lost, and yet this was to be understood by people in the first century as well as our century and every other century in between. And so the only way this can have any form of relevancy whatsoever at all is if it is written in a language that doesn't change. 
i.e. Latin. The only one that hasn't actually changed. Uh, so you need to be looking at, you know, well, Hebrew, Greek and Latin are supposed to be the three unchanging languages. Latin is the most unchanged out of all of them. Today it's the language of science and history and that's about it. Um, and so these are some identifying, these are some ideas that you need to use when you are calculating 666. Else you're going to make an absolute fool out of yourself. We've come to the end of the show. Of course, as you go through your day, spend some time with Jesus alone. Faith FM is fantastic, but it should never be a substitute for you spending time alone, one-on-one with Jesus, reading his mm. word, spending time in prayer. And of course, don't forget, as always, to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.